greetings to all you happy warriors and thank you very much indeed for being with me today uh, and I'm particularly grateful because I know that uh, I've been uh, sadly uh, negligent over the last two weeks we haven't posted a new show uh, over the last two weeks and uh, I've been traveling and uh, and there's just been a number of different uh, pressures on me and so reluctantly I can assure you I was not able to devote the kind of time that uh, is needed in order to make it worth your while to be part of the Rabbi Daniel Lappin show uh, as you know I take your time as seriously as I do my own and the very last thing I would want to do is uh, run the risk of having you waste your time uh, here on the Rabbi Daniel Lappin show uh, in a way that uh, did not deliver value for the time that you invest. So here we are with me, your rabbi, as usual, revealing how the world really works. And what I wanted to spend a few minutes on is uh, the question of balance. I'm talking specifically about how useful it is to build your life on the foundation of the five principal F's faith, family, finances, friendship and physical fitness and the advantage of one of the many advantages I should say of the 5F system is this you see maintaining balance in life is very important now it is not important for a child's beach ball floating in a swimming pool um, in those conditions there is no right way the red sector could be up the blue sector could be up the wind could blow it'll rotate the ball it doesn't matter but with us human beings with our finite lives from which we want to extract every possible maximum benefit uh, maintaining balance is very important and one of the principal rules of maintaining balance is that if the foundation is narrower than the mass above it its natural inclination will be to fall it would be said to be not in balance so for instance um, if uh, we take a, uh, a, a child's spinning top and we invert it so we try to stand it up on its point not surprisingly it'll topple over unless we get it spinning rapidly in which case the gyroscopic effect will keep it upright but ordinarily something with a broad uh, base and a point prefers to stand upright so uh, if I spread my legs and stand that way even if the wind is blowing or I'm on the deck of a rolling and pitching small sailboat uh, I stand a better chance of retaining balance because I'm keeping the foundation I'm keeping my base broader than I am in fact my legs are further apart than my shoulders are and that gives me at least a chance of retaining my balance at least in this direction when it comes to forward and aft well that's a little different and so I constantly have to move my legs around in order to keep uh, one leg outside the tendency in the direction in which I'm tending to fall 
And so, in general, the narrower the base, the more difficult it is to retain balance. So if you try to stand on one leg, for instance, harder than standing on two, because we, the, the part that is above the leg is broader than the point on which we're trying to stand, one leg itself. You get the idea, right? And so if we can make the foundation of our lives broad, then it's a lot easier to retain balance. So, for instance, let's say, for instance, that somebody says, uh, you know what, nothing is more important than my family. My family is the ultimate everything, nothing else. You're now placing all your life trying to obtain a balance based on a very narrow thing, only on family. And so very difficult questions arise. You say, well, my family is more important than anything. So does that mean you should not spend any time on um, creating wealth? Isn't that also, well, okay, I've got to try and fit that into my family. And, and so you have to stretch to try and fit. Well, fitness, yes, my family wants to see me stay healthy. So I've got, uh, you try to do that and uh, you find yourself toppling in various directions because you don't have the, the firm, broad foundation on which to base things. And so it is that a, uh, uh, you know, a one-legged stool, if you imagine, some, I've seen people at sporting events sometimes have something they sort of lean against and they fit themselves into it but it's just a stick with a point and they have to keep their legs wide apart in order to sort of create the equivalent of a three-legged stool. Their two legs and the one uh, leg of this um, monopod if you like. And then you've also got uh, uh, a three-legged stool. Right? A three-legged stool can work uh, now, if you sit on a high three-legged stool at a kitchen counter, shall we say, uh, and you rock it a little bit, you'll find to your surprise, or perhaps not so surprising, that uh, it, it topples fairly easily because in the final analysis, the, uh, the base is a relatively small triangle. So you say, fine, we'll switch to a, uh, a four-legged chair. Much better, much more stable uh, because now, most of your weight lies within the square or the rectangle described by the where the four legs touch the floor. And now how about if you go not from four but you go to five legs, a, a bigger chair even with five, even stronger and even better. And those five legs are the five F's. So when we structure our lives on these five F's, we find that it is easy to perceive right away when you are going out of balance, which is very hard to do if uh, there is no reference point, if you are just a beach ball. But here with five, I might look and say, wait a sec, looking at this last week, I have spent um, too much time and too much energy doing one of the five Fs and I've left two or three or maybe four of the others a little bit neglected. And it's a lot easier to have the five F's themselves serving not only as your guide and not only as the legs of your existence, but also as the balance indicator of when it is you might be going out of balance. And um, I, uh, I, I focus on the, the question of how many linkages are there? Well, here we've got five F's, you know, call them F1, F2, F3, F4, F5, and now uh, lay them out on the circumference of a circle. And if you're interested in doing it accurately, well, they should be 72 degrees apart. 
because 5 times 72 is 360, which is the number of degrees in one complete circle. And now what you want to do is uh, draw a line connecting each of the five F's to each of the other four. Now, first of all, each 5F is connected to the one on either side, or the two on both sides, by an arc of the circle on which they rest. And that means that uh, you now have to draw several straight lines linking them to uh, the other two. Well, uh, when you finish doing that, how many lines will you have? In other words, if you've got 5Fs, how many links do you have linking the, uh, each of the five F's to each of the others. And so if we want to make sure that we understand that, shall we say, family is linked not just to finance, but it's linked to finance and fitness. Family is also linked to, to friendship and to faith. Well, you know, there, there we have four links. And, and then we go to um, uh, fitness. And then we start drawing links between fitness and each of the other four, but we discover one of those is already drawn in because we did it with family. And so you'll need fewer and so on and so forth. As you work your way through, it's a worthwhile exercise uh, and we'll see if you end up with the right answer of how many links there really are. Uh, but one of those links is finance and fitness. It's the link that ties fitness, physical health, everything that falls under the heading of physical health to finance. And uh, how do we fill that in? What does that actually mean? What does it stand for? And my goodness, I hope the, the wind here is not um, making this hard for you to hear me. I sincerely hope so. I should have put a windsock on the microphone, I suppose. Anyway, I hope it's okay and that I'm not uh, making this hard for you. And so, uh, in what way is fitness impacted by finance and in what way is finance impacted by fitness? And uh, again, I'm going to leave you to uh, fill that in a little bit, but I'll give you some starting points. How does finance affect fitness? Well, first of all, if you are able to devote a few dollars, a certain amount of money, to your physical health, well, it means you might eat healthily. Uh, because you can afford to buy good quality food that is natural and, uh, and without too much sugar and without too much... Uh, whatever, whatever you decide uh, is necessary for your level of health. Again, if you're not stressed financially, you can do that. Here's another area. You're able to get medical attention when needed. You know, sometimes medical attention is uh, able to be covered by some kind of insurance payment, but sometimes the, the doctor you may want to see may well say to you, look, you know what, I don't, I don't go with insurance. It's too much of a hassle dealing with the government. It's too much of a hassle dealing with insurance companies. I'm a concierge doctor. Here's the deal. I'll be happy to take care of you. Here's what it'll cost. It's great to be able to say, all right, terrific, let me write you a check or do you, you want a credit card? In other words, uh, the dollars help enormously to convert problems into expenses. And expenses are much easier to deal with than problems, provided you actually have the finances. So uh, if your interest is physical fitness, and you say, well, I must spend eight hours a day, the eight best hours of the day I must spend in the gym, 
and I'd say to you, well, what about your finances? What about your business? What about your income? Listen, it's not important to me as my fitness. I've got to devote the best part of the day to fitness. Well, you discover, and this is an extreme example, of course, but you quickly see that uh, this doesn't work all that well. And um, there are other ways as well in which fitness is impacted by finance. If you're able to, to take care of your physical fitness uh, without worrying, you know, if let's say you decide you do have to, uh, maybe you want to run or jog three times a week. And to know that you can do that uh, without damaging your, without losing your job or without getting fired, um, how wonderful is that? And so just being able to think about your fitness, to be able to deal with anything that impacts your health, to be able to pay for it when it's necessary to pay for it, and to be able to do it without any worries and without any concerns, um, it's a fantastic thing. And, um, and it's, it's, it's really important to realize that as important as I think that physical fitness is, it's helped by finance. So, time and energy that I spend on building up my finances is not taken away from my physical fitness, it's actually added in, it actually helps. It's counterintuitive because I would tend to think, well, you know, I've got to be exercising and I've got to be working out and I've got to be running, that's what I've got to be doing, I've got to be eating healthy food. Uh, fine, that's true. But all of that is facilitated by you simultaneously making sure that your financial revenue side of things is also in balance. And so it's, it's not hard to see, as I'm sure you'll agree, that uh, as important as we consider our physical health to be, being able to also at the same time be developing our finances, it's a wonderful thing. And that way, when you are working on your business affairs, you say to yourself, Hey, you know what, I'm not neglecting my, phys my physical fitness. This is actually part of it. What I'm doing now is going to enable me to make sure that physical fitness is taken into account as well. Uh, maybe there are times where you need a break. Maybe you have to take a few days off from working and just devote it to, to recovering uh, physical agility. You know, maybe, maybe you, you weren't well for a period and, and you sort of spent a, a certain amount of time in bed. Well, you, when you're recovered and you're back to normal, you may want to spend two or three days really focusing on getting your physical agility back again. Again, being able to do that with the financial side in balance is hugely important. How about the other way around? In what way is uh, my financial side helped by my fitness side. Well, this, this is, is quite interesting. Um, your, your financial well-being is very much a function of your human connectivity. And I've spoken about this before. It doesn't matter what you do to serve your fellow human beings in exchange for which you receive their payment it doesn't matter what you do, but you will be more successful the more there are people who know you, like you, and trust you. That's hugely important. And so being able to connect with people is of uh, fundamental importance in your finances. What's that got to do with fitness? Well, I'll tell you, um, people, and, and I'm, I'm sorry to say we're, we're all 
um, subject to this, we all tend to be drawn to physical vitality and we all tend to be a little, I'm going to use the word frightened, maybe put off, maybe uh, as for some people as strong as repelled by, in an extreme, physical frailty and, um, and even illness. This is one of the reasons that uh, people who've had serious illnesses tell me that there are good friends that have been friends of theirs for many, many years and when they took seriously ill, they don't hear from those friends. Like weeks go by before those friends contacted them. And uh, I remember years ago, actually, uh, two people I knew both very well and when one person told me, um, you know, I can't believe this so-and-so has not come to visit me. I've been in bed for two months now. He hasn't come near me. And uh, I've actually reached out to the other person. I said, listen, I'm sure you have a good reason for this, but um, we're, we're all mutual friends. And you know that one of our mutual friends is, is ill and has been ill for a while. And so I wanted to just tell you, and I'm sure you know what you're doing, and I'm sure you have a good reason for it, but I just want to tell you that he's beginning to feel a little bit hurt about the fact that you haven't been in touch at all. He's, he's beginning to worry. Um, did he uh, cause, do something to cause resentment on your part? But he just can't understand. Why are you staying away? Why are you staying remote from him? And uh, the person said to me, he said, I feel terrible. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to really contact him and go and see him this week. Uh, but I, there's something in me. I'm just, I don't like being near sick people. And I, I understand that is perfectly natural and perfectly normal. Obviously, it is our job as children of God to overcome that. We've got to be just like God is. God reaches out and helps us when we're down and out. We've got to be able to do the same, even though it's not comfortable for us. And so when I say that your fitness helps your finances, the way it does is that when you exude physical health and vitality, it's hugely attractive and it makes it easier for you to have more people who know you and who like you and who trust you. It gives you an opportunity to connect. Uh, people who, who just look frail and look sickly and, and are just exuding um, this kind of uh, sad condition, they find it very hard to connect because people move away. People want to get away from it. Uh, now, something very worthwhile stressing is that we're living in a culture at the present time and I'm recording this in the year 2022 and I mention that because uh, there are many things that I taped 10 years ago that people still write to me about and sometimes conditions have changed. Something that was very true 10 years ago is a lot less true today and so people say well they don't pay attention to when it was recorded they listen to what I say and then they write to me they go to our website, rabbidaniellappin.com, uh, or, or they go to wehappywarriors.com, and they write, and, and I have to write back and say, hey, you're right, it, it doesn't apply anymore. I wouldn't say that today, but I did say it 10 years ago. So uh, 2022, it's worthwhile noting that in the, in the current culture, in a number of countries around the world, uh, being a victim is high status. And the more areas in which you can claim victimhood, the higher your status. And so in that context, it is very possible that somebody might 
say to themselves, well, you know, I want to have high status. I want to be able to uh, be looked at warmly by lots of people. So I've got to be a victim. And so I am going to uh, be very open about how sick I am and how uh, down I am. And I have depression and I have uh, traumatic stress disorder. And I have so many things wrong with me. And uh, they think that this idea of victimhood is enduring and reliable and therefore by making themselves so much of a victim, well, now they really are going to win lots of friends. It doesn't work that way. That's not how the world really works. That's right, it isn't. Because the way the world really works is we are attracted to uh, vitality and good health and, uh, and um, yeah, people being in good shape. Uh, victimhood is a lie. It doesn't work. It doesn't do any good whatsoever. And so I, I would strongly recommend that to be the case. So much so, by the way, that I, I do urge you never to succumb to the temptation to talk about your health. Um, people do it and it's unattractive and it does you no good at all. What am I talking about? Somehow or another, it gets going. You sit with people and somebody starts talking about their doctor or their therapist and then the next person chimes in and says well you won't believe what happened to me with my doctor and somebody else says well i just got diagnosed with uh, a b or c and look what happened i've got to tell you what happened when i went to the hospital and people are just look let me just tell you when somebody meets you and they say hi how are you that is not an invitation to begin listing your lamentable catalog of ailments nobody really wants to know and the second problem with it is that it emphasizes the uh, animalistic biological side of us instead of the spiritual side you see what i mean is yeah our bodies may be sick our bodies can get frail our bodies but not our hearts not our souls not our minds and the important thing is to retain emphasis on that and we, we do that by the way we communicate, we do that by keeping a smile on our face, we do that by being friendly towards people, we do that by expressing interest in people's lives. And yes, if somebody else starts launching into a diatribe about his doctor and his illness, <laughs> fine, so be, be sympathetic and listen, but never fall into the temptation never succumb to the temptation of responding with a you know people do that with jokes right somebody tells a joke and you're busy thinking about the joke you could tell in response forget it don't go down that path and certainly not with things that emphasize your body uh, we do far better emphasizing our soul our minds our hearts than we do by emphasizing our bodies and when we talk about our medical conditions all you're doing is you're saying to people yeah you know can't really rely on that person and that's true there's a little part of you that says well you know they're weak and frail and sickly and all they do is talk about how sick they are when they probably are just fine but the message conveyed subtly and spiritually to the listener is well you know uh, pr probably I shouldn't count on him he may not even be around much longer so this is um, uh, it's really a valuable thing not only is it good in for our finances for us to be physically healthy and not only is it good for us to be seen to be taking care of our physical health you know you never want to say to say let's say you're in a business meeting let's say you're in a meeting with somebody who might possibly become a business associate 
and the person says, by the way, you know, do you realize you've got a, a sty in your eye or do you realize you, whatever it is, and you say, yeah, I really need to get it taken care of. That's a really bad thing. Much better to say, yep, I've got it taken care of. The doctor says it'll be gone in a day or two. Terrific. But saying, oh, I really must take care of it, suggests to the onlooker, and they may not even be consciously aware of it, but subtly it's leaving a mark on their soul uh, that you neglect your, your fitness. You're just not taking care of your fitness. Well, somebody is not taking care of his health. How can I possibly count on him to take care of my needs? That's how these things work. I can't stress enough that even on an unlikely bridge, such as between fitness and finance, that bridge is actually a very strong one and a very important one and one that uh, you really do want to keep going. Know that you can impact your finances positively by taking care of your fitness and know that you can impact your fitness positively by taking care of your finances. Yes, those two really do go together. So I wanted to, uh, to leave you with, uh, with those points, and there are others, by the way. You can start uh, thinking about other ways in which having your finances in good shape makes your physical health better, and how having your physical health in good shape makes your finances better as well. And you will find many other examples, too, that I didn't have time to talk about today. And, um, and these are things that uh, really can benefit your life if you think consciously about implementing them and uh, making sure you remain balanced on all the five legs of one's life, these five Fs. And how many such bridges are there? I asked you that at the beginning of the show today. The answer is there are ten. Uh, and again, it's a mathematical formula. Uh, how many ways can you join A, B, C, D, and E? You've got five things. Uh, a, A, you know, well, that we won't count that, but A, B, A, C, A, D, A, E. And now B, well, B can go B, A, but we've just done that with A. We said A, B, so we don't have to do B, A, but we do B, C, B, D, B, E. And you'll see, if you play around with this with a pen and paper, you'll see there's a mathematical pattern and you will end up uh, seeing there's a formula for it even. But even by trial and error, you'll find that the five Fs mean that there are 10 bridges to take care of. And uh, some of them are very obvious, like family and finances is, is really easy. Um, you know, how about faith and friendship? Like, what does my social life have to do with faith? Well. I'm sure you can see that. And again, uh, in due course, I will issue more and more material making this clearer so that you can make the 5F project a fundamental part of how you design your life and how you run your life uh, for the good, not only of you, but also of everybody important in your life. So uh, my apologies. I'm, I'm really sorry that... Uh, I let you down in terms of a posting uh, a show last week and the week before. Um, you know, what I tell myself in those situations is that those of you who are uh, devoted and committed to the ancient Jewish wisdom that's a part of the Rabbi Daniel Lappin show will know that uh, there are so many shows already done, hundreds, that you can go back 
and uh, listen to earlier ones. That's what I tell myself. So even though I don't have a new one out, if you were to go back, I guarantee you'll find ones that you hadn't listened to. You may have to go back a little while. You'll find ones you haven't listened to. And uh, what's more, you'll also find ones that you may have listened to a number of years ago, but that you were not ready to hear. That at that point, you were not yet able to deal with it, but now you really are. And so reviewing some older shows, well worth it. And, and I think you'll discover that the overwhelming majority of the Rabbi Daniel Lappin shows uh, are not time sensitive. Very, very few of them are applicable only to a particular period. Most of them address things that are as true about your life and mine today as they will be in 10 years time and as they were 10 years ago. In the majority of cases, that is very much true. So I hope it brings you value and brings you benefit. Uh, be sure to let me know, will you? Uh, you can go on the website wehappywarriors.com and uh, you can let me know what you think there. Uh, you can also go on to rabbidaniellappin.com and take a look around and see what is there. I don't know if you've already got yourself a set of the Financial Prosperity Collection. That's 10, audio, 10 video audio lessons um, about finances. It's, it's me teaching directly to you um, on a video and uh, it's 10 separate lessons very much worthwhile the price of admission i can i can tell you that um, far too many people have had their financial lives dramatically transformed uh, for me to doubt its effectiveness uh, a great deal of work obviously went into creating it but it's still worthwhile for me and wonderful for me to hear the validations that come and um, just got a, a letter from a Nancy, I won't tell you who she is, but her first name is Nancy. And she said something that is the most poignant uh, comment I get from happy warriors around the world. And it's perhaps the most common comment I get. I still find it fascinating to, to read every time somebody writes it. And that is, uh, I wish I knew these principles and these laws for living when I was 20, when I was 25, uh, I would have made far fewer mistakes than I actually did. It's poignant and sad, but uh, at the same time, it's a real thing. And so, to whatever extent you're able to get a, a younger person tuned into some of this and uh, to help them get to a point where they're able to realistically evaluate and assess the decisions they are making in life now, uh, which can never be, you know, no do-overs on that. The decisions you make when you're 22, when you're 25, you don't get those decisions, you get others. And many of them are contingent on the kind of decisions you made back when you were 22. And so uh, I, uh, whenever I have the opportunity and I, I am in a conversation with uh, a person in their 20s or 30s and, um, and I feel that the conversation has some traction, I raise questions. You know, tell me, what are your thoughts on this aspect of it? Have you given any consideration to this part of it? I'm, I'm talking to a young man at the moment. Um, he is in his early 30s. He's not married and um, he's going about it wrong. He is not understanding certain basic things about the male-female relationship as the great designer laid it out. And he's not understanding why it is 
that many of his friends, if not all of them, are already married and happily settled and building families, and, and he is having trouble um, doing just that. And I'm introducing him to some of these principles. I have to go very carefully because there's a certain amount of cognitive dissonance. It's very, very difficult. And he has been impacted by the popular culture. I'll give you an example. Just one of many, many different areas we're working on um, is uh, I, I said to him that this girl he is dating at the moment, firstly, he's not courting, he's dating. And I said to him that um, I asked him certain questions and he confirmed that, that my suppositions were right. And I said, she is waiting for you to show leadership. And he said, well, if I do that, then I'm not showing her respect. I have to show that I respect her opinion as much as my own. And I said, that's very different from what I'm saying. I'm talking about exhibiting leadership, that you know what you want. And that what you really should be saying to her is, look, this is where I am. This is where I'm going. You're either on board or this isn't for you. But if you're not willing to show that masculine strength, it can't possibly... I just wanted to give you a bit of an example of the conversations uh, we're having. Not every younger person welcomes it, and I, I don't uh, insert it or inject it in any way, but I always start off with questions. Why with questions? Uh, because that's something I learned from the serpent in the Garden of Eden. And that is, if you want to get started in a conversation with somebody, the way to go is questions. Just because the serpent did it doesn't mean it's the wrong thing to do. It happens to be a very effective thing to do. The serpent used it, obviously, for very bad purpose in the book of Genesis, in the Garden of Eden. But uh, in our uh, approach, you know, whether uh, a man sees a woman at a, at a church event, walks up to her and says, Oh, are you a member of the church? She has to answer. And this is something every man grows up knowing and understanding that a, when you start with a question, you have a conversation going. And that's what I do here. I don't, you know, I don't launch in and say, hey, would you like to know what ancient Jewish wisdom has to say about this or, or the other thing? No, that's not the way to do it. It's always with a question. So uh, my question to you is, did you enjoy today's show? I sincerely hope that you did and uh, very much appreciate your being with us today. Thanks so much. And don't forget, be a visitor at the website rabbidaniellappin.com. And again, accept my apologies. I will try to make sure that interruptions to our weekly release schedule are few and far between. I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin, and I wish you a week of great progress with your family and with your finance, with your faith, with your friendships, and with your fitness. Onwards and upwards.